the running community is tight knit and they are the most supportive group that I've ever been, that I've ever been around in sports. And it's just amazing. Dizwins Radio episode 966 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, just want to remind you that one of those things that I offer that, uh, I don't know, a, few, a fair few of you have taken advantage of over the years is the uh, one-off consult consultation call, basically a, a coaching call to help you know address whatever issues you might be dealing with, something you're not sure about. Maybe it's training related as, as we're getting into fall and some of these fall races are starting to get closer and closer. Maybe maybe you're not sure kind of how to make, make sure that your training peaks on time ready to go for your fall races. Or maybe you've had a little bit of disruption to the schedule recently and you're not quite sure how to adjust the schedule accordingly. Uh, those are just a couple of examples, a couple of, of reasons that I've had calls with folks in the past. So many others from injuries to planning to diet, nutrition to recovery. Uh, we talk about all kinds of things, or at least I have talked about all kinds of things with a, a, a variety of folks over the years. And if that sounds like something that might be helpful for you, something that might be be worth about $25, then uh, we, we've got it available. We've got it available. So if you point your browser over to disruns.com slash consultation, uh, all the information is right there. There's a button at the bottom that takes you to PayPal. Like I said, 25 bucks, you, you pay the money. And then right from there, it should direct you right to my scheduler. And you just and that works with my schedule. So anything that's available on there is available for me. It's wide open. You pick a time and a place. Uh, well, I guess you pick a time. The place is my house and your house or your office or wherever you might be. Uh, but you put it on the schedule. You put your phone number in there. I give you a call. If you'd rather do Skype or Zoom or something like that, um, because not for nothing, we can record those. So maybe that would be a nice option. That way you can listen back to it instead of just being right there in the moment. Uh, we can do that as well. So what, basically, whatever works best for you works just fine for me. Um, but if, like I said, if that's something that you think might be helpful, might be useful... I uh, would happy to, to to offer it for you. Um, so disruns.com slash consultation is the link. Have any questions on it, let me know. And and as a reminder, there's always ways to get free calls as well. So always be on the lookout for those and feel free to take advantage of those. I mean, I, I'm, I, I like talking to y'all, um, whether you're paying me for it or whether it's one of those free give, giveaways that I do from time to time. Uh, happy to take advantage of Happy. Don't feel bad to take advantage of it. I'm happy to offer them. Happy to have those calls. Hopefully... Happy to help you out a little bit as well. So anyway, use them. Take advantage of them. Dizruns.com slash consultation or wait for another call out for something free call. And uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, my guest today is someone that uh, I've seen on Twitter a lot over the years. We feel like we swim in a lot of the same circles. I mean, running Twitter is running Twitter. We all kind of swim in that circle, but seen him a lot on run chats and other conversations with other runners and a little bit of interaction here and there. And for whatever reason, haven't had him on the show for a proper conversation until uh, today. So happy to do that. Uh, in addition to being an avid runner, he's also a husband and father and is a bit of a billiard snob, which I don't know that we're going to get into billiards today. But I'm pretty sure we've never gotten there before. So if we if we get there, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're making that that we have the potential to make show history today. Uh, anyway, n no doubt, plenty of things to talk about, plenty of fodder for today's conversation. So without any further ado, it's a pleasure to be able to welcome Mr. Rob Roof to the show. So uh, thanks for joining us today, Rob. Really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Danny. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, looking looking forward to it. And guys, if you want to connect with Rob, if you're not already connected with him, uh, he's he's on in, on most of the places. He's got a blog, all the things, uh, roofreport.wordpress.com, and and his last name is spelled R U E F F, pronounced like roof, but uh, 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 that's how it's pronounced. But not not maybe what you would guess for the spelling. So R U E F F report.wordpress.com on Twitter at Rob Roof again. R U E F F is the last name, and on Instagram at Runnin. Roofs, so that's running without the G. So R-U-N-N-I-N, R-U-E, 
FF with an S on Instagram as well. You're a little bit confused or not sure how to spell that once you get back to your computer or your phone or whatever while you're out on your run. You know we got you covered at the show notes for today. Dizruns.com slash 966. Dizruns.com slash 966. We'll have photos, links, the whole nine as per usual there so you can connect with Rob and see some photos and, and all that good stuff. Dizruns.com slash 966. So, uh, Rob, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with the same same question. It's just a, a great launching off point. Usually, usually the answer to the question gives me like six other questions that you know follow up questions to ask. So it's it's kind of worked out well to be a, the the introductory question for every episode, and that is to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? You know, um, then it's kind of interesting because I'm in the process of training for my first marathon. Mm. And I think right now the half marathon I've always thought was my uh, was my go-to race uh, because you know you got a good mixture of both being able to be um, you got your distance and you got your speed right mm-hmm. and the the thing though that I'm that I'm starting to find out is that I'm more of this aerobic monster if you will and that I tend to tend to want to lock into a pace and that's it right now. And, um, that's why I'm kind of looking at, at seeing if maybe the marathon is, is my go-to race. But, um, prior to, prior to this training, I've always felt that I've been a pretty good, um, half marathon just for the fact that it, it mixes up both of my, um, two favorite things to do with my speed as well as the distance. And, uh, I'm, I'm starting to, starting to learn that the speed isn't what I thought it was, mm-hmm. but the distance I can, I can walk into a pace for a very extended period of time. Well, that's that's the marathon right there. Lock it in and, and cruise. That's that's the name of that game. So, uh, as as I said, usually this question um, opens up a, a can of worms, and and here we go. What what? Uh, not that there's any. Obviously, you know, everybody has different goals, different ambitions, things like that. Um, but what uh, what is spurring you to to run your first marathon? You know, I'm going to be a magical birthday number uh, in November, mm. and it's something to. Uh, just to knock off on the bucket list and right. the fact that a lot of my friends that, that um, through the running circles that, that we have on Twitter together, as well as Instagram and on very on the rest of social media, um, they've all kind of been, you know, first they're shocked when they find out I've never ran a marathon. And then the second thing is, well, you got to, mm-hmm. you know, you, you need to really just put that off, you know, get that off your uh, checklist and be done with it. And I, I figure, well, you know, I've got the, the big five Oh coming up in November and I figured, you know, now is probably a good time to um, take on the take on the challenge of, of doing a marathon. And I went through a kind of a marathon cycle back in the spring mm-hmm. and finished that one off with a 22 and a half mile time trial and really seemed to my body really seemed to be able to um, come up to, to the challenge. And so then I took a couple of weeks off and during the took a couple of weeks off during that time I was on vacation. Uh, back in May, and I was able to sit down and then put the training plan together. And here I am. I'm just now um, finishing up week eight. Um, my long run on Sunday will be the completion of week eight um, of the 18-week plan, uh, and the race will be September 25th down in Columbus, Indiana. It'll be the Mill Race Marathon. Awesome, awesome. That's I, I, I always I don't know if always maybe is not quite the right way of saying it, but I, I struggle with with that idea and and and. Not that it's a bad thing, you know. Some of the peer pressure that that we all get ourselves into, we all we all dish it out a little bit as runners, and sometimes we all fall victim to it. But the idea that that you have to run a marathon, I think that that clearly, you know, like I like the marathon. It's it's a it's a fun distance. It's a challenging distance. I, I'm I'm going to be very curious to hear how it goes for you in, in September and, and what your experience is coming out of it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that that it'll be a, a, a you know, and if you've already done a 22 uh, and a half mile. Um, time trial, like, yeah, you, you, you'll be, you'll be good to go. You kind of already have a, a pretty decent idea what to expect, I imagine. And, and, uh, uh, w- w- I don't know. I mean, predicting the future goals are, are, are predicting the future questions are always something that I try to avoid yet. I tend to ask them maybe a little bit too often, but w- what's your, what's your goal for the race? You know, there, there, there's a lot of goals up there that, that I've got kind of juggling around. I think the, the main thing that I want to be able to do is, um, I want to be able to, just say that I finished the marathon, mm. you know, um, time goal right now. Yeah. There, there's one in the back of my head, mm. but I'm really trying, I really haven't really locked into it yet. And I know that's kind of crazy thinking, especially eight weeks in. Um, and the, the other thing too is, um, 
I kind of feel I ran mill race uh, the half twice, and both times I ran it, um, I didn't feel like I gave my best performance mm. in either one of those. And I think this one with the going with the full, I'm looking to um, double my redemption, if you will, right. uh, from those two previous outings and just seeing um, and, and getting redemption on that course because I, I think I think I owe that course a better effort than I than I put the first two times I did that did that race in 2015 and 2016. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, and, and I, you know, I think that uh, maybe it's, and, and maybe I'm reading more into it than than I than there is to it. But I think sometimes um, maybe as as a bit more of an experienced runner, even though this will be your first marathon, you've been you've been running for a minute. Um, it's it, you know eight weeks into a training cycle, like yeah, you have some some ideas, some 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 time goals potentially rattling around, but there's still a long time to go in terms of training that uh i i think that that i think it's it's easy to get locked into a time goal before the training cycle even starts or right at the very beginning and not recognizing that like how the training goes is going to be a big part of dictating you know what what is a, a realistic goal maybe the the goal you set at the beginning is too much maybe it's not enough maybe maybe training goes really well and you can set your sights even higher so you know you you said that you know you kind of have an idea i think that that's that's not a bad place to be with with still you know, two and a half months till the race to just kind of let it continue to percolate and kind of see what it, what shakes out once September rolls around. Right. You know, and you know, I've been, um, the first six weeks I ran Hills, uh, mm. for my, basically for my tempo or steady state run, which, you know, it, it, that's the one thing too, Denny, that I, that I think is funny when you, when you talk to people, um, in the running community and, and, you know, one person will say, well, you know, you, you're going to say that you're going to do a marathon, uh, race pace run, you know, like I did this morning. And somebody's going to say, oh, you're going to do a steady state run. You know, you talk to one person, they say steady state run. Mm. And then you talk to another person like, oh, so you're going to do a tempo run. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of funny. So the, for the first six weeks, I um, ran a, ran the hill course uh, that the local high school team um, here runs on Mondays. But I ran it on Fridays. And then um, two weeks ago, I ran a very hilly course uh, down in uh, Griffin, Georgia, uh, mm. the, day be- the day before and the day after we ran Peachtree. And I really kind of um, was interested to see what I could do on the flats, uh, especially with the times that I was that I was showing. Because I think I was averaging about 7:21 pace oh, wow. um, for those runs. Mm-hmm. And last Friday, I got out and ran on the flats. Um, it's, it's it's kind of funny because where I live here, it um, it's kind of, it's it's really I've got some really rolling hills, mm-hmm. but I go about a mile or two north of me and it's completely flat right i mean there's no inclines at all so i went down to the um went down there uh to run the to run the tempo runs just for the fact that mill race is completely flat Mm. so i was wanting you know run on the terrain that i'm going to be running on for race day and i ran a 720 it was only like a 723 725 but i was kind of i kind of got down on myself because i thought man i've been running these hills i should be going a lot faster and then you know then i was talking to um um, my um, running buddy that's also kind of like my advisor, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Houston. And uh, he said, look, you probably didn't recover properly from your trip to Atlanta. Right. <laughs> right. And I thought, okay, yeah, you're probably, you're probably right. And of course this morning I busted out a 714 pace. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. on, on, on the same course as last Friday. So obviously there is, you know, a lot of people, you know, you can talk about how much important recovery is and talk about it and talk about it. But until you, until you witness that you haven't recovered mm-hmm. properly, you don't, I don't think you sometimes understand the importance of it. And I think I learned that lesson last week. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and that's, you know, we could go all the way deep down that, that rabbit trail of, you know, that's, that's why the taper is kind of important. Like you, like you don't detrain when in that short window that, you know, week or 10 days or two weeks or whatever, however long you, you, you taper for, um, it, it allows you to recover and, and really reap the benefits of all the training you've done. And that's why, uh, on, on race day, if you, if you do it right, you know, legs are ready, you're feeling good and, and you can get out there and, and hammer it a bit. Um, and yeah, it sounds like you kind of figured that out a little bit from, uh, just in the training cycle, which is, which is, uh, a, a good, a good time to learn it to maybe make that taper a little bit easier for you when it's, when it's time to, to do that here in, a, in another couple of months. Exactly. So what's yeah, your, uh, you know, oh, go ahead. I think when you, when you talk about the tape, the one, the one phrase I like to use, it's, it's kind of like, um, um, 
you know, don't, don't fear the, don't fear the taper, embrace it. Right. So right. that's going to, that's going to be the goal there that the final uh, 10 to uh, 14 days is uh, making sure that I embrace the taper and get, get the best benefit out of that. Mm-hmm. Which is another one of those lessons. I feel like, uh, we, we learn as we go, the longer we're in the sport, the longer we train for, for races, the longer we, uh, maybe, maybe don't taper as much as we should because because it is a little bit counterintuitive like wait so you're telling me i'm not going to run as much for the next couple weeks and that's going to make me more ready to run on race day but yeah that that is how it works um and and yeah sometimes you can hear people talk about it you can read about it in books but until you've witnessed the payoff it's a little bit harder to embrace right so what's your uh running history like rob have you been you know kind of touched on it a little bit but but uh I feel like you've been in it, like we've been around the, the Twitter circles for a while together. I feel like you've been in the sport for a while, but how'd you get started in the sport of running? You know, it, it's kind of funny. Um, I really didn't pick it up until about 2013. Okay. Um, I had been um, officiating high school basketball here in the state of Indiana and had been running during the off season just to stay in shape. Mm. And then I was running on the treadmill and I posted on Facebook that I, you know, I just got done with this run on the treadmill at the, at the, at the gym and was feeling great and everything. And then one, one of my friends, um, replied back and, and, and called me my, called me with an explicit and along with my childhood nickname and said, the next time you post a run better be outside. Mm. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I was up to the challenge because, well, you know, my, my friend called, you know, called, called me my childhood nickname and mm-hmm. nobody does that when, you know, I can't back down from that challenge. <laughs> so I, uh, I did go outside and really started enjoying it. And then, um, got connected with, uh, team world vision. Mm-hmm. Um, they were sponsoring a, um, a run and, um, got connected with them and decided to sign up for a half marathon, uh, that plot seed. I started running outside in May of 2013. The race was in October 13 and started raising money for team world vision and ended up running my first, um, half marathon, um, there in October over, um, on the Northeast side of Indianapolis, um, in a park called Fort Benjamin Harrison state park and just took off from there and just continued, um, continued running and building up. And then in 2015, my second oldest son, Ryan started uh, joining me and we started running uh, races. You know, we started running together and then got the idea to start running um, a race. I thought, you know, I talked to a lot of coaches and people that, you know, was asking them, could I think Ryan was 13 at the time, you know, would it be all right if a 13 year old could handle 13.1 miles? And they're like, Oh yeah, you know, 13.1, you know, if he's trained properly, yeah, sure. And, um, it was kind of funny because when I brought it up to the, uh, at the dinner table with my wife, she looked she looked across the table at me. And she's like, "Just don't train him out the wazoo <laughs> <laughs> for this first one." And we, you know, we survived. We survived Mill Race, and then we got connected with uh, the One America 500 Festival Mini Marathon. Um, found out that the marketing director at the time lived down the street from us, mm. and got connected with that. We ran the mini. We turned around and went back down to Columbus and ran the mill race marathon or mill race half marathon again. And Ryan and I ran together um, up until last year. And then he just, you know, which was fine. Um, you know, he decided that it was time for him to focus on getting his senior year of school done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he's decided that, you know, where, whereas I am more on the competitive side and want to see what, you know, what I can do. Um, you know, he just wants to go out and run to run and, mm-hmm. and that's fine. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly content with that. Um, we don't run together as much as we used to because of that. And it's also because of my work schedule right now is just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I've been running since, um, basically how I've been going since 2013 and have just totally, totally enjoyed it. And the one thing, uh, Denny, that I really enjoyed the most is just um, the connections with you and the other people that mm-hmm. I've made through the running community. I I don't think, you know, I read when the Boston bombing happened in 2013, I read about how tight-knit the running community was. Mm-hmm. And I was, I kind of actually blew it off to the side, like, yeah, all right, whatever. And then when I started building up into this and got into, got connected in with the social media and started meeting these people in person, I really realized it's true. The Mm -hmm. running community is tight knit. 
and they are the most supportive group that I've ever been that I've ever been around in sports, and it's just amazing. Yeah, it, it really is, and it's it's. I feel like it's one of those things where, again, kind of like with the taper, you, you almost have to experience it. Like like right. you, you can hear people talk about it, and, and it kind of can can almost sound maybe too good to be true. It can sound like lip service, but but when you have a chance to to embrace those those relationships whether you know online is great but certainly when you get a chance whether it's your local running club or or having a chance to meet folks that you've had interactions with on social media and and then you get a chance to to share some miles or uh you know break bread or whatever the case might be uh it it takes it to a a a whole nother level have you had the opportunity to meet meet folks from from the online community at, at races in the past you know, it, it seems like when we uh, we go to the One America 500 Festival Mini Marathon and the CNO Financial Monumental Marathon, uh, we're always meeting people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I need to preface this. I was always meeting people pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, right. Okay? right. You know, two weeks ago when we were in a peach tree, I was excited because I was like, man, so-and-so is going to be there, so-and-so is going to be there, so-and-so is going to be there. You know, let's try to connect, let's try to connect. And we didn't connect with anybody during Peachtree weekend. And I was shocked and that that didn't happen. But yeah, it's, it seems like we have, um, and it's gotten to the point when we have, when we have the one America 500 festival mini marathon and the CNO finance, uh, financial, um, marathons here in Indianapolis, it seems like either there's a pre-race party or mm-hmm. there's a post-race party here at Stately Roof Manor. So <laughs> we will we'll end up having about 20 to 30 people. And my wife makes this casserole that is just absolutely to die for. And everybody devours it, <laughs> you know, especially if it's the, you know, the post-race. The it seems like oh, everybody, yeah. comes, yeah, everybody just comes in and just, you know, just there's no leftovers all for us. <laughs> so so yeah. it, it, has been, it, it has been fun to be able to. Uh, be able to make those connections and, and be able to host. I, you know, we really truly enjoy hosting people. We've had people that have stayed here the night before races and then we've taken them down, you know, we've taken them back downtown for the race and, and it makes, it, it's good for them because then it takes the pressure off of them having to find a hotel, having mm-hmm. to find a parking spot uh, during that weekend. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And, and it's something that, I don't know what it is about the running community in, and you know, again, online and, and in person, but I feel like so many other, and maybe this is just from an outside perspective versus being an inside perspective in the running community, but so many other areas, like the idea of like, oh yeah, you know, I've been talking to so-and-so on, on Twitter for, you know, a couple of years and I'm just going to go crash on his couch the night before the race. Like, it would would almost like it'd be, it's ridiculous yet in the running right. community. I mean, like, like there's been times where it's like, Oh yeah, you're flying in for the race. Like, well, I'll just pick you up at the airport. And it's like, Oh, all right, cool. Like you don't have to yeah. ask people volunteer. Uh, and it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel weird. Like it, like it maybe should, which is, which is just incredible. And, and you know, the other thing too, is it's like, okay, you're, you're talking on Twitter and you're going back and forth. And then it, it's like, when you finally meet them in person, it's like you've known them your entire life, mm-hmm. you know? And that, that's, that, that's the other cool thing too. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, and, and maybe that, maybe it is the same in other, in other avenues or other, other, you know, uh, subgroups of the internet where, where there's the, the overlap of interest, but certainly, uh, you know, talking to a bunch of runners, I, I hope most, most people have had similar, uh, interactions and experiences of, of positive, you know, relationship building through the running community. But uh, right. shifting shifting slightly from the running community, although I, maybe this will be part of the the conversation as well. I don't know. But you mentioned uh, running Peachtree this year, which you know I, I don't know that it's the the first big. Obviously, it's a pretty big race, um, and I, maybe it's the first big one. I don't know. But but a, a big race post pandemic with some, some alterations, some changes, some things like that that had to happen to to try to put the race on as as quote unquote, as close to normal as possible. Although obviously it wasn't exactly the same as it was in the past, but had you run Peachtree prior to this year? Was this your first time? And and then kind of what was the experience like this year? It was, it was my first time, um, running Peachtree. And the reason why I wanted to run it was the fact that my aunt and uncle had recently moved, Mm -hmm. um, down, down there toward Atlanta. They live about an hour South in Griffin. And so, you know, when we first signed up, um, for in 2020, um, you know, the plan was, you know, Ryan and I would go to the start line. Um, the rest of the family would be at Piedmont Park for the mm-hmm. finish, and we, you know, we'd hang out and and do the whole post race celebration. And then, of course, COVID happened, and 
And, um, you know, we had to defer to, uh, we had to defer from 2020 to 2021. And so we ran it this year and I, there was thoughts about possibly deferring to next year, but I'm just like, you know what, at this point, um, especially with, you know, with Ryan, with, you know, not knowing what Ryan would be wanting to be doing running at this point a year from now. Um, I just felt like, well, let's just go down and get it done. Right. And so then that's what we did. Um, two weeks ago, we went down and, uh, we left on Thursday, uh, went on Friday to pick up our packet and, you know, you know, normally there's, there, there was somewhat of a fanfare, but not the type of fanfare that you would normally mm-hmm. get with an expo. And, um, cause you know, pre COVID a regular year, you know, you probably got a lot of, a lot of the elites would probably have right. a booth or, or an autograph session and that wasn't there. Um, so my main goal for the expo was let's get our bibs, let's get around, get our two train tickets for the MARTA for the next day and let's get out. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did for the expo. And then race morning, um, it was, you know, we're so used to when we run, uh, downtown Indianapolis, we're all just scrunched in there, you know, right before the race and you're, you're, you're bumping elbows with mm-hmm. everybody. And I, we ran it on Saturday instead of running it on the traditional July 4th. Mm. And, um, we, there was like spaces where it was free flowing and it was, it was nice to be able to run, um, run like that and be able to have that much space between people. But at the same time, you were kind of like, man, we're running one of the biggest races in the world. And we are just like, there's, and I've got all this room mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the crowds real was, you know, the crowd of course was down. There was still some spectators along the course. And then there was, there was, it seemed like as you got closer to the finish line, you could hear more noise. Um, especially when you're going down that, that last quarter mile mm-hmm. where it's all downhill. And, um, but it was, it was just fun being able to be around people again and, and being able to, to be somewhat in a race atmosphere, even though that there was limitations and I'm excited to see, um, we probably, we probably won't go back next year. Um, but it, I'm excited to see what it does look like next year. If they're, if they're able to go full, full, full bore on, mm-hmm. on that Monday, July 4th next year and, and have a, have a true, um, capacity peach tree. Do, do you think, and, and again, predict predicting the future questions are terrible, but do you, do you think it's a race that you would like to do? Maybe not next year, but at some point again in the future when it is the more of the quote unquote, the, the spectacle and the, the, all the bells and whistles and pops and circumstance of a, of a normal peach tray? Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I would, I would love to be able to, um, you know, you know, especially for the fact that the 4th of July is my favorite holiday. Mm. So, um, so I would, I would really like to get down there again and, and just, and, and be able this time, you know, that this next time for everybody that, that we wanted to see at the finish line, be there this time. Right. Uh, because they were really, you know, that was the other thing too. As soon as we crossed the finish line, we grabbed the water, we grabbed, you know, we grabbed the famous shirt, which is the, the award. Mm-hmm. And then we went around and, and got uh, the Powerade and the Coca-Cola. And then we made the long trek, you know, you, you, you run down that hill. Then you got to go back to, up it. And, then you, and you got to walk back up <laughs> to go to the train station. And I was like, man, everybody needs to experience that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's one, you know, one of my, one of my friends did defer to next year. And I, and I told him, I said, Hey, just letting you know right now, you, you go downhill that final quarter mile, but as soon as you go through the park and everything, you've got to walk right back Mm -hmm. up it. So be ready, you know? And, um, but yeah, I, I'd I'd like to experience, I really would like to be able to experience it, but there's just, you know, like you said, it's hard to predict the future and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of variables, um, that, uh, that could hinder, hinder that happening. And there's also a lot of variables that could, that could help make it happen again. Right. So we'll see, but yeah, I, it, it would probably have to be another year where it's on a Saturday or a Sunday for me to be able to do it though. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, when it comes to, to races and I guess this kind of bleeds into, uh, peach tree a little bit and even, even some of the indie races, the monumental and the, the 500 mini, but, um, are, are you more of a, of a, big, big race guy, as far as like lots of crowds, do, do you like the, the, you know, it kind of almost sounded and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but the impression I got was that maybe not disappointed, but like, you know, the, the amount of space that you experienced at Peachtree this year was like, ah, uh, you know, it might, I, again, the impression I got almost, you would have liked it 
sounded like he might have liked having to be shoulder to shoulder and elbow to elbow and just everybody kind of this mass of, of people moving through the through the streets. Is is that somewhat accurate? You like the bigger, crowded, more crowded races? I do when it's like um, you know, when I when I know that I'm gonna go out and, and um let's see, be be out there for like a celebratory lap for my training. Mm. Right. You know, I, I do, you know, and I do just cause I like the atmosphere, you know, I love having, you know, being with other runners, um, talking with them, um, getting kind of, you know, being in conversations with them throughout the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having the crowds yeah. is just what really, what really fires me up. And, and that's the one thing that I'm really looking forward to. Um, you know, if, 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 and when that type of racing can happen again here in Indianapolis, I know, mm-hmm. I think they're scaling back. They're still looking to scale back Monumental, but I'm not really sure about that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know because the mini went virtual again this year. Um, but yeah, I, you know, when it comes to the, you know when I, when I really just want to zone in and, and want to be able to have a good time, I do like the big city races, and I think that's one of the reasons though why I picked Mill Race over Monumental for my first marathon was that Mill Race is a smaller race, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have that space, and I'm going to be able to lock in um a little bit more with my um you know with you know with my game with my i guess what you want to call it my race day or game day Mm -hmm. uh preparation um and be a little bit more focused with it that way um because sometimes i think like i said when i get into the big city you know the big city uh, races such as Peachtree or monumental or the mini i I just want to kind of just you know soak in the atmosphere Mm -hmm. and just enjoy being out there on the course but mill race is going to be completely different. Mill, mill, mill races. Yeah, I want to finish it, but you know, let's be honest. In the in the back of my head, and, and, and you've and you've seen my my Twitter post. Mm-hmm. You know that there's 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 just some other things brewing there too. So <laughs> and I think I think I think mill race. I think mill race sets up better for that than monumental. Yeah, it's it's one of those like give and take situations. And I've had conversations with folks I coach, folks just on you know on on social media, whatever about you know. And there's no right or wrong answer, of course, it's to, to each their own. But like, I feel like the smaller races set up better to really be able to to run hard because they're less crowded. Because usually the logistics can be a little bit easier um, versus you know maybe having to be there a couple hours early because of transportation and, and streets being closed and things like that. That some of the bigger city, more crowded races you have to deal with. But but yeah, I, I think that. Uh, you know, if you've got a, a good plan going, or at least going to have a good plan going into to the race in September, um, you know, it, it it'll be easier—not easy, but it'll be easier—to hopefully stick to the plan in a race where you don't get as caught up in the uh, what everybody else is doing because there's not as many everybody else's around to to kind of help you stay focused and just locked in and, and get it done. Right. Exactly. So you mentioned it a couple times running with with your son, and I know that's it's you know kind of posted all over your social media, PRs and things like that, races that you've run together. Um, as as a father, um, as just you know as a parent in in general, um, my my daughter just turned seven just just the other day as we're recording this. We just we oh, just wow. celebrated a, a seventh seventh birthday. Um, but she, you know, she's she's still at that point where she she kind of does a little bit of everything, but is not locked into anything. But you know, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that there's not a little part of me that, that hopes that you know another five, eight, ten years from now, like you know, maybe there is some some daddy daughter running running going on together. Um, but what what was it like for you to have have a son that was like, yeah, dad, let's let's do some of these races, let's let's run some of these miles together? Like, I feel like it had to have been pretty awesome. But but what was it like from your experience? It was it was really good um, because he. Um, he really walked in, um, you know, if I told him that today was going to be an easy run, you know, he knew, Hey, this is the pace we're going to do today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I told him we we're going to pick up the speed, we're going to do a little bit of a speed workout. You know, he was, he was the one who locked into the paces and that really was, was fun, uh, to be able to, um, have him basically be the pacer, uh, mm-hmm. from, from, from those aspects. And then, you know, the, the other thing too, is just being able to run side by side and seeing the joy that it was bringing him and just seeing, you know, you know, we'd be running and I'd, I'd hit a wall and I'd be like, man, I'm just, I don't know if I can do this or not. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to um, finish today's workout. And you look over at him and he's just smiling from ear to ear. And I'm like, okay, Ryan smiling from ear to ear. I, I can, I can finish this. I can, I can, I can get through this today and, and we'll, we'll be good. So, you know, from, from that aspect, 
it was it was it was a lot of fun and it was inspiring just for the fact that with 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 Ryan um, seeing how he opened up through his uh, how running opened him up through uh, because of his autism mm. and how he was able to um, show the world hey you know I've got this gift and I can you know it really allows me to focus which is what we really learned from that. Um, with, with him running was that, you know, on the mornings that he, you could tell the difference from the mornings that he ran and the mornings he didn't run, especially when it came to his schoolwork. The mornings he would run, he'd be more focused for the rest of the day. And then on the days that he doesn't run, that, that he didn't run, it was like, oh my gosh, we've really got to try to figure out, you know, what we got to do to reel him in to, to get him to stay focused. And, but, you know, from a, um, from a father's standpoint too, it was. It, I was proud just to see that he was able to um, accomplish a lot of the, a lot of his goals. That you know that sometimes I think we made the goals um, together, and then there were some times where I think he made the goal, and he was able to you know he was able to to crush it. And I think the one time when um, he went almost he almost broke one thirty five um, at the mini in twenty nineteen. And he really, through his, um, through his track season, as well as um, the other runs that we were doing leading up to that, that was a proud moment because he had worked so hard to get there. And um, the, the other thing, too, on that day was the, the conditions for him were perfect. I mean, it was cold. It was rainy. It, it was miserable for everybody else. And you look at him, and, you know, it was a proud moment for me because I'm looking over, like I said earlier, whenever I was needing to dig deep, I'd look over and see him smiling from ear to ear. I mean, the entire race, he smiled from ear to ear. And um, that, was, that was just a really, um, you know, running with him has just been um, something that inspired me to continue even after – um, we had the little um, discussion back in September where he said, "Hey, I just I just want to run to run. Getting a PR anymore is not what I'm concerned about." So, um, but yeah, I I really have been proud of him and to see the leaps and bounds that he's made from the time he started running when he was 13 till now. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and and I feel like I feel like I've had this conversation with adults, but to, but to hear it coming from. Uh, a young man of of you know still in his teens to have the perspective of of you know i like i i liked racing for a while but right now i don't want to like i just want to run right. i want to enjoy it and you know the 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 maybe the unspoken thing or maybe it's a conversation that y'all have had as well but like if slash when he wants to race again whether it's two years from now five ten whatever Running's not going anywhere. I don't think. I, you know, n- knock on wood. Hopefully, running, running, and races aren't going anywhere. So, you know, if if slash when he wants to get out there and see if he can, you know, knock some more time off of some of the PRs he set in his teenage years, like he can do that. And if he wants to just keep running for fun, awesome. Like that, that's an option too. Exactly. You know, there's there's um, there's a part of me that thought maybe I was pushing too hard, and then there's a part of me that you know what. I, I think I've, I've, you know, through all this, I've, I've let him do what he's wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was, that was his decision. And I said, look, I'm fine with it, regardless of what you do. Because like you said, running will always be there. I mean, it's a great outlet for him. And, you know, there, there are days when um, I'll come home and I say, did you run? And he's like, yeah, I ran. And I was like, did, well, where, where'd you run? And he's like, well, you know, sometimes he'll say that, well, I just ran on Chuck the Treadmill. Or, oh, mom, mom went outside or um, the brothers went out with me and we just ran the mile loop that we have set up here in the neighborhood. I was like, oh, okay. You know, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then, then every once in a while, you know, I'll, I'll ask him, did you run today? And he's like, oh, I guess I think maybe I should. And then there'll be days where he's like, no, no, I'm not going to. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's a perspective that I don't think I had it at uh 17, 18 years. I don't know if I had it at 25, 28 years old, like let alone, uh, at that age. So that's kudos to him. Um, one more question on that. And obviously we can go into this as much or as little as you want. If it's, if it's, if it hits a little bit closer, but, um, curious what, what those, you know, four, five, six years of, of running with, with Ryan have done for, for you guys' relationship. I I feel like it had to have brought you closer. I had to be, I feel like, again, it probably was, was just fantastic, but from a father son relationship, how was, how how did you find those, those many miles spent together? It it really did bring us closer, Denny. And, and the thing too, with it is that when Ryan was born and when we first found out that, um, he was, that he was diagnosed with autism, it just, 
it shook me mm. and we didn't have a very good relationship at all. And, you know, one morning I'm around, yeah, I was 20, 2015, one morning, you know, he was just running around the kitchen and my, my wife was like, you were taking him for a run this morning. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not. She's like, yes, you are. And you're going to enjoy it. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she's like, yes, you are. Now lace up your shoes. And he's lacing up his shoes and you're getting out there. And on St. Patrick's Day of 2015, we went out for our first run together. And we, you know, I said, hey, we're going to, you know, if we're going to do this, let's, let's, you know, we'll run hard and then we'll walk or whatever. And then you tell me when you're ready to run hard again and we'll do that. And when, when we're done, we're done. Mm -hmm. And we ended up going quarter mile run, quarter mile walk um, for about three miles. And we wow. did that for about two weeks. And then um, one morning, it was a Friday morning and we were running around the cul-de-sac. Um, in the subdivision where we lived at at the time. And, you know, my watch beeped um, that it was time for us to walk. And so I slowed down. I was like, okay, I'm, it's walk time. And Ryan kept going. Mm. And I was like, oh, I got to catch up. <laughs> you know? So I went, I ran up to him and caught him. And we just, from, from that point on, it was completely running. And it was just, you know, once we got going and being able to share, you know, the, the one common bond that we're going to always have is running. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, the, the cool thing too, along with this was I started incorporating his schoolwork, especially with his math problems. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we do the math tables, um, you know, you know, and, or if there was a test coming up in, in one of his other subjects, you know, as we were running, I would ask him questions and he would answer them. And that was really um, where we really got our bond um, was, you know, being able to um, work with him with his schooling. And then also um, come to find out he's he's like me a little bit. He likes to do some practical jokes for, on you from time to time. <laughs> and there would be there would be times when um, when we were running and like one day we had our lights on. Cause it was, it was kind of dark. It was one of those days where we started and it was dark, but then the sun came out toward the end of the run. So we still had our lights with us and Ryan got up close to me and I didn't even feel it. Then he, and he took my light <laughs> <laughs> and I, we had to stop for traffic. And I was like, cause I was, cause we had turned off the lights at, by this point. We had mm -hmm. to stop for traffic and I'm like, I'm like looking around for my light and I can't find it. And all of a sudden he's, he's like, he shows it off in his left hand and he's just giggling. You know, he's like, ah, I got you. Da. So, you know, for, so for, to be able to, um, you know, to, you know, to know that, you know, he, he comes out a lot, mm -hmm. um, through that and, and being able to still, um, talk, you know, we, we, we talk about running and then we talk about, um, other things that are going on. You know, we talked about school and then, um, I'm not sure if you if you remember remember them or I, I think they're still somewhat popular. The Beyblades, mm -hmm. the tops. He is you. He is an aficionado historian of Beyblades, <laughs> and you can you can ask him a question about any Beyblade, and he will give you the incomplete background. Wow! On that Beyblade. So you know he's he got me interested. You know, so he got me interested in those, and we and we we played those every once in a while. And we still, you know, he's every once in a while I'll I'll go downstairs in the basement here, and I'll hear him talking. And I'm like, what is he doing? And I look down there, and he's he's got his bracket set up, and he's doing the Beyblade World Championships. And he's the <laughs> you know he's he's doing the Beyblades, and he's doing the and he's doing the announcing. And I'm like, oh. You know, because that was that was basically the way I was mm -hmm. um, when I was younger. With you know, when I was growing up too. So it was kind of interesting through running to see how basically really kind of similar that we are. Right, right. Yeah, it's like I said earlier. I, I am, am, am no way, shape, or form planning to to really push my daughter in that direction. But boy, if if she decides she wants to run, I I can just you know. Uh, all the the different conversations or different relationships or or whatever uh, that that could come from that would be awesome, and I'm glad you got to experience that with with Ryan. And and sounds like it was it was great, really for for both of you on on a bunch of levels. Yeah, it, it really was. And um, you know, we still get we still like I said, we don't run as much together now. 
mainly because of his school schedule mm-hmm. and my work schedule, but uh, I at least have Mondays off. Right. So we can we do run about we do run Monday on Mondays. We normally run anywhere from three to five miles, depending on um, mainly what my training schedule what my training schedule is calling for. And we'll be lacing up the shoes, and he'll look at me as like, "So what do you got today?" And I was like, I did my long run yesterday. Oh, so it's going to be an easy run today. Yes, it is. And he's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. That's awesome. So uh, shifting gears one last time before we, we start to wrap this one up today, Rob, but it kind of teased it in the intro. So I guess I guess we'll talk about it. The the, the billiards snobbery. Where, where did you find your love for, I believe it said snooker on your website. Where did you find your love for snooker and, and uh, billiards in general? Uh, my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, my dad, uh, my uncle, uh, my great uncle. Um, and a lot of my cousins, uh, we all, um, they, they played snooker at the, at the pool halls. And then, um, my uncle and cousin and my great uncle, they, they owned a pool hall in Colorado Springs for a while with snooker tables. And it was just, you know, they've always been, um, a family where they really liked, um, strategy and with the game of snooker there's a lot of strategy compared to just banging the balls like if you're playing regular eight ball right and so that's where um you know that's where my fascination with it came and then through social media i was able to get in contact with the united states snooker association who knew that there was actually an association (laughs) for that um, here, oh, let me let me backtrack though. The the other thing too is they they had the pool hall, they had the snooker tables there, but um, I have a snooker table in, in my basement right now, and so I I try to play I try to play once or twice a week right now, mm-hmm. um, when I can. But it's just it's from a you know from from the standpoint of a, from a strategy standpoint is where I really like it because it's basically chess on a billiard table mm-hmm. is what it, is what it boils down to. And then, like I said, I got in kind of contact with um, the executive director of the, of the United States Snooker Association, and he told me, "Hey, um, the World Championships are getting ready to happen over in Sheffield, England. Here's the link to, for you to be able to watch." Wow! And so I started. I was like, "So I, you know, the last two weeks of April, first week of May, if I'm not at work and if I'm not running, I am watching the World Snooker Championships online, <laughs> and it's just." It is, um, it's just a fascinating game just for the fact that, you know, um, from the strategy standpoint, cause there's a lot of different ways to approach it. You can, my great uncle was great at this, um, because in the game there's 15 reds and then there's different colored balls. There's a, uh, yellow, green, brown, blue, pink, and black. And you've got to hit a red ball before you can hit any of the other, um, mm. color balls. And then... Um, let's say for instance, you hit the red ball and it goes in. Well, that's a point. And then if you hit a black ball, if you hit the black ball in, well, then that's seven points. Oh, wow. But the black ball comes out, the red balls all stay in, but the black ball comes back out until all the, the color balls come back out until all the reds are gone. Mm -hmm. And then you play what they call the rotation round where you hit the yellow because it's worth two points. The greens worth three, Mm -hmm. the Browns worth three. Or the you know, the Browns worth four, the Blues worth five, the Pinks worth six, and the Blacks worth seven. And then once all the balls are gone, whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. My uncle, God, my great uncle, God love him. He played what we like to call dirty snooker. <laughs> okay, because what he would do is he would make the red, and then he would make the black. So the black would come back out. Well, then his next shot, though, he'd hit a red, but then he'd have the cue ball get to a position on the table where the next the next person, when it was their turn, they had no possible way of hitting a red. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so not only now he's got eight points. Well, if the person can't hit the red, well, then that's four points. Right. So then my uncle would turn around, my great uncle, my great uncle Harold, he would turn around, do the exact same thing hit the red again, hit the black, and then hit another red and send the cue ball again to where the person had no chance of hitting another red ball on the next <laughs> shot. <laughs> you know? So it, it was, a, like I said, it's a game of strategy. 
And it just seems, you know, with, with the way I like to play is just how I became, a, you know, a, a billiard snob. I, it's just like when I have friends over, I do have the regular on my table. I do have the regular balls for, so, mm-hmm. so we could play eight ball. But my rule is you have to play snooker before you can play eight ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's just that's my, that's house rules. House rules. Absolutely. And, and uh, it's funny because every once in a while I'll get that one friend who will play the one game of snooker. And I'm like, all right, you ready to get the regular balls out? And they're like, no, no, let's go ahead and play this again. This is kind of fun. So, you know, I'm, I'm gradually, my goal is to gradually get all my friends to become fans of snooker so that we can just continually have them over and not have to worry about ever getting the regular eight balls out again. There you go. There you go. Um, I, I, uh, I guess I I don't know that I asked that question with the with the end in mind, but maybe I did. But it, it, certainly how you answered it uh, kind of brought to me. I think maybe the the follow up question. Maybe and we'll make it the last question. I, I the last question of the day I call usually the philosophical question, something a little bit more um, kind of open ended, like the introductory question. But I'm gonna tie it in with with billiards and running. But this is this is what you do after seven years of podcasting. You figure out how to tie in billiards and, and running into a question at the end of an episode. Um, <laughs> But you talked about, you know, specifically in snooker. But I, I, I think, you know, like, like the way I play pool, yeah, I'm more of the, the, the mash, mash the balls, you know, smash them and mash them and, and see what happens and, and kind of go from there. But, you know, the times I've watched nine ball or even some eight ball, people that really are good and know how, how to play, uh, it is all about setting up, you know, making this shot but setting up the next shot. And it sounds like your, your great uncle was good at that in, a, in a, maybe a nefarious way. But, but anyway, the idea of, of always thinking a shot or two ahead, like you said, like, just like in chess, you're always thinking a couple moves ahead. Uh, and I, I guess I'd be curious for the, the, the final question today, if slash how that, that type of strategy, that, that type of, of thinking a move or two ahead, uh, like you see in billiards, have you applied that at all to, to your running? And if so, how and how does that work out? Oh yeah. Um, you know, I think the, you know, you're talking about two or three shots ahead, you know, I'm always, um, especially if it's a race where I'm wanting to be competitive in, um, I'm thinking, okay, you know, where, at what point do I want to, you know, after I've gotten that up to this pace, where do I want to go? Whereabouts on this course do I want to hit the next pace, mm. you know? And then at that, um, when do I want to start possibly looking not only to pick up the pace, but let's say, um, where do I want to start, um, um, reeling people in and starting to leave carnage, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that is something that, that I can, that I've taken away, um, with billiards, with snooker because of the strategy that that game, uh, possesses mm-hmm. that I've been able to also do, uh, with running, you know, you know, especially like, you know, in a, in a half marathon, you know, like the first, you know, the first 5k, you know, I want to be at this pace. Um, you know, the next, the next 5k, I want to make sure I'm here. And then probably around the, the, the 10 mile mark there is where I want to start looking. I want to start saying, Hey, this is where the race is going to begin. Mm-hmm. This is where I know it's going to start. The pain's going to start to hurt, embrace the pain, be brave and race. Um, as Jordan Hase would say, um, and then the one thing, um, you know, and then start looking about mile 11 and a half, 12 is when I really not only want to start picking up the pace and really wanting to close in, uh, um, on the finish, but I also want to start reeling people in and, and, and seeing, you know, just how, you know, getting past people, because at that point you might not only be looking at getting your own time, but if you're looking for an age group award, mm-hmm. At that point, you're wanting to reel somebody in because that might be a person that you're up against for that age group award. And I've had that happen. You know, I've, I've done that a couple of times successfully, where when I've gotten to that point where I've passed them and ended up seeing, looking over, looking over to my right or to my left and saying, "Oh, hey, I just passed that person. I know that I've just gotten, a, I've just moved up a place mm-hmm. in the age group." And then it's also backfired where. I maybe went out a little too soon on that faster pace and I've gotten past, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's cost me first place, uh, you know, first place or, or, or another, or even a podium finish, um, um, there at the end. Yeah. It's, it's all, uh, again, I mean, not, not being a, a, a pool shark by any stretch, but just, 
you know, it's, it's risk reward and go for it and you got to make your shot, but then, you know, make sure you're set up for the next shot as well. Uh, and, and definitely I can see, I can see that strategy kind of playing out on race day very similarly. So thank you for, for sharing that Rob. And, and once again, guys, if you want to connect with Rob, if you haven't done so already, uh, Twitter and Instagram on Twitter at Rob roof, again, R U E F F is how you spell his last name on Instagram at running R U N N I N roofs, R U E F F S and uh, roofreport.wordpress.com is the is the blog, which we didn't even talk too much about today, but he's been blogging since 2013. So lots of good info there. Uh, it looks like there's currently a series working on kind of chronicling this marathon training uh, that he's on. So you can follow along with him there and on social media as well. And again, disruns.com slash 966, disruns.com slash 966 for the show notes today. All the links, all the photos, all the things as per usual. So uh, Rob, thank you for, uh, for taking the time today. I, I certainly appreciate it. Like I said uh, earlier, Long overdue, but glad we were finally able to to make it happen. And uh, certainly, I uh, wish you nothing but the best at the marathon coming up uh, in in a couple of months. And uh, beyond that, nothing but the best as well. And, and looking forward to staying in touch. And who knows, maybe doing this again, maybe crash on your couch sometime for a, an Indianapolis race, and maybe doing one in person. We'll we'll see how it all shakes out. But thanks for the time today, Rob. Really appreciate it. No problem, Dan. I agree. We appreciate it too, and look forward to it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Rob and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today. What was your takeaway? What's what's still rattling around in that head of yours right now as the episode is drawing to a close? Um, for me, th- there were a few things. Honestly, this was this was one of those where I had several things written down on my on my little sticky note, my little notepad during our during our call. And then going back through, I think that the one that I'm going to go with was was right there towards the end, but a slightly different take on it. And it was the this I, I wrote down the strategy of uh, you know playing billiards, uh, snooker, and how that relates to you know how to how Rob um, kind of plans some things or or where he where he makes his moves during during his races. But I'm going to zoom out just a little bit. Same line of thought is is my takeaway as far as being strategic with how you handle different races and, and drawing some of those parallels between the little I know about billiards, thankfully a little bit more now after Rob shared some more about snooker itself and just, and just in general, but the idea of, of not only trying to make sure that, that where we go from, you know, a to B is the right place to be. But, but again, the little I know about billiards, the idea of making sure that, you know, you don't want to put yourself in a bad position, after a shot if possible. So, you know, kind of, of just being strategic about as you're stacking up races or where you're putting different workouts in your training cycle leading up to a race or just, you know, in your, in your base building phase, whatever, uh, the idea of, of having some, some strategy into how you're, how you're attacking the things that are in front of you. Again, maybe it's races. You've got a bunch of races lined up culminating in, in a goal race, right? You know, maybe you've got some shorter stuff, time trolley type of, of races or workouts leading up to a big marathon goal race or a half marathon goal race, whatever the case might be. You want to make sure that, or at least you want to do the best you can to kind of build from one of those races to the next, ultimately to be ready to go. Uh, but what you don't want to do is come out of one of those earlier races, you know, in a really bad position, whether it's injury or just having a, a race that blows up on you and destroys your confidence, things like that. And, and, Again, I, I don't know enough about billiards to be anything more than slightly dangerous, but I feel like that's part of the billiard strategy is not only like, you know, we talked about, you got to make your shot and you want to set yourself up for the next shot, but you also want to make sure that you're not putting yourself in a really bad position for the next shot that then becomes advantageous for your opponent. In running, maybe it's not quite the same, at least for runners at, at my level, probably at your level as well. We're not as much worried about what that does to, for the rest of the field, but we definitely want to make sure we're putting ourselves in the best position to keep going forward, to keep building fitness, to keep getting stronger, getting ready for that race. So, uh, you know, things I've talked about before, but I guess I haven't brought it into this, this metaphor. Cause I'd never thought about it till I talked to a guy that's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a billiard snob. And it's like, huh, well, and let's talk about it. But just the idea of being strategic with how you set yourself up, um, going from one event to the next is, is, is important, I think, or it can, it can be important. Now you can you can just mat, you know bash the, the balls and take it as it goes. You can just sign up for a race and come out of the race and and where do we go next? That's fine, but if you want to be a little bit more strategic, you might find that things go a little bit more smoothly for you. Um, just like just like you got to get a good run 
on the billiards table. So that was my takeaway today. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Let me know at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. You can also send an email to Dizruns at gmail.com or, and or, you can head over to the show notes for today, Dizruns.com slash 966. We've got some photos. We've got some links. we got the whole nine as per usual. We also have that comment section down at the bottom. You can leave your thoughts and feedbacks there. Happy to uh, engage in a little conversation with you on the website in the comments based on what your takeaways were from today's chat with Rob. So uh, that is about that. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, hit that share button. And if if you need some help putting your strategy together, recognizing which ball to go for first and how to set that up for the next ball, my metaphor, my metaphor game is picking up. Uh, let me know. Dizruns.com slash consultation. We'll get you scheduled. We'll get you on the calendar. We'll get you on the phone and uh, help you work through some things, put some plans in place, and then it's just about going out and executing the plan, which often is the hardest part. But at least you have the plan in place. That's 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 the thing that the calls can help you with. Dizruns.com slash consultation if you're so inclined. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, y'all. Thanks for listening. As always, hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for taking us with you. Taking us. Taking Rob, I guess us, right? Taking Rob and I with you. And uh, until next time, y'all be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? See you guys. Mm-hmm.